I would rather be poor physically than be poor spiritually. Would you agree with me? It says here in the message, uh, I love, I love the way the message um, speaks, and it says, "You're blessed when you've lost it all, but it's trouble ahead if you think that you've it made when you have all that you're going to ever get." For people that think I'm rich and I've got everything I need, do you know what? They are actually very, very poor. So God is a heart for the poor. Blessed are the poor. Happy are the poor. That's those, actually, I believe the primary meaning of it is the spiritual poverty. But God's heart, nevertheless, goes out to those who are in need. And, you know, I believe that we, as a body of Christ, are meant to have eyes to see who is in need and to help each other financially, because that's God's heart. God's a generous heart. We're going to see that as we go on a bit further. But as we look at this, we, I want to read you a quote that is from the Spiritual Bible. It says, The poor are those who recognise their spiritual poverty and casting aside all self-dependence, seek God's grace. And on Sunday, uh, I was up in Enniskillen, and there was a guy speaking in the, in the church up there that I was at, and he was saying that grace is God's grace, G-R-S-E-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so you and I, by faith, by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And so God's grace is that which can save us. And so the poor are those who recognise their spiritual poverty and casting aside all self-dependence seek God's grace. That's what the Spirit-filled Bible says about this verse. So whether it's physical poverty or spiritual poverty, Jesus promises the blessings and riches of the kingdom of God, and he promises that they're available to both Jew and Gentile. Let me read to you what it says in Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What does that mean? It means that, that we are a blessed people, that whether we're poor physically, it's important that we recognize that actually we are poor spiritually, but in Christ we have his riches. We have all the riches that we need, and we have every blessing. It says in, in um, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Jesus is teaching and he's saying to them, You know what? If you realize that you are poor, that's the truth, then you're ready to receive my grace, which will make you rich. And really he's saying, get your eyes on the important things, the things that will make you spiritually rich. That's what he wants us to go after. That is what this word is about. Blessed are the poor. That's what Jesus is saying. For yours is the kingdom of God. I want to tell you this morning, ladies, that the kingdom of God, the resor every resource we will ever need, is under the kingship of Jesus Christ. And when we're part of his kingdom, I tell you what, we have no need of anything because he will meet our every need. I love that those verses in, in Philippines where it says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches 
in Christ Jesus. Why would we get upset about stuff? Do you know, living by faith is what it's all about. And it's about trusting him no matter what. And so the first verse is, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. I'll tell you something. Those who hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God, after the things of God, Matthew's, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, says... They, you, if you're thirsting after righteousness, you're going to be filled. And this, these verses are, are speaking to Gentile, Gentile people. And God is speaking in simple language to them. And God is saying to them, you're blessed if you hunger now, for you shall be filled. He's putting it in as simple a language as he can. He's saying, look you Gentiles, if you're hungering, if you're hungry, you know what, you're going to be filled. And if he's talking about physical hunger, I'll tell you there's a, a verse in, in, um, in Revelation 7 and 6 that he who sits on the throne will dwell among them and they shall neither, they shall ne- neither hunger anymore nor thirst. And so we know that even in the physical that God can take care of us. But you know what? It's the spiritual thirst and hunger that God wants to see coming out of us. He wants to see us thirsty and hungry for more of him. And you know what? We're promised that if we are hungry for him, that he will, he will give us all we need. And you know what? If I look at, look at you women this morning, I think to myself, you women are hungry or you wouldn't be here. Like you wouldn't be coming across in that snow if there wasn't a hunger and a thirst in you. And that's why I'm confident. Even though I feel like I'm sort of stammering and stuttering this morning, my thing's gone off and my whole mojo's gone a bit crazy here. But you know what? Even though I'm making a bit of a stumble, but I'm not one bit concerned because it's not me. I, you've come out here because you're hungry and you're thirsty. And you know what? God's going to make it up to you. And God's going to fill you and he's going to satisfy you. And you're going to leave today feeling that you've heard from God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know he's faithful. And I know that his word is not void. He's going to return to it. He's going to put into you what he wants to say to you. You're going to hear him this morning. And you're going to go out of here. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a wee skip as you go out that door. Because I spoke no. Because God is faithful and God's promised he's going to speak to you this morning. And you're thirsty enough to get yourselves here. Sarah Jane, you, or Sarah Jane, you come down from Inniskillen. Did you come this morning? From Inniskillen to be here this morning? I'll tell you what, God sees our hearts. And God is going to give you stuff today that I believe is going to be important for you to hear. And what is the word blessed? What does it mean? It means happy. I mean, who doesn't want to be blessed? Who doesn't want happiness? Who doesn't want true happiness? You know, when we think of of people who don't know God and they think of happiness. Do you know what they think of? Most, not all of them, like, but quite a few of them. They think of a night out in the town and a feed a drink and then a real sore head the next day. That's happiness. But you see, God satisfies the deep places in our hearts. The part of you that yearns, the part of you, that void inside you, that nothing can fill only God himself. That's what God's promised that he's going to fill. That deep-seated need that you have to be one with God and to enjoy that fellowship of walking with him and experiencing him through your day, that is what God is going to meet. That is what God wants to do in your life and for you to experience. And that's what you're after. That's why you're here. That's what, what you're thirsty for. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. You know what I love about God? Now, we've got to get sort of, we've got to be realistic. 
God doesn't promise that once we get become a Christian or get saved, whatever terminology you want to put on it, God doesn't promise that from that moment on it's going to be plain sailing. Isn't that right? That was never that was never promised because we're living in a world where there's still sin, where Satan is still operating through people who don't know Christ. And so there is sin in the world and there's still pain in the world and, and Jesus hasn't fully set up his kingdom yet. So we can expect that there will be suffering, we can expect that there will be tough times, we can expect there will be trials. But here's the amazing thing, that we even know we're weeping about stuff. Supernaturally, in the midst of the weeping, we can experience God's blessing and God's joy and even God's laughter. That is something else, isn't it? And I love Psalm 30, which says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, boy, dear. I love that so much. Here's what it means in the original Hebrew language. The, the, the joy that comes in the morning. It means a shout of rejoicing. It means loud cheering in triumph. It means singing as if in time of great you know, even in the worst of times, you can experience that joy bubbling up. I know if I went round a lot of you, you could all, I would say most of you who have known the Lord, there's times that you could tell me about where things were tough, but there was a joy coming up and an assurance that God would take you through. See, God doesn't take you around. He doesn't divert you. He takes you through the trouble. And that's the amazing thing. And that's what, it, what James was talking about when he wrote about counting it all joy when you go through many trials. Because you know what? When you trust God in the trial, you actually come out richer than you did before the trial. Because he uses the, the things that Satan means to destroy you. God actually, when you trust him in the middle of it, God actually tunes you up. It's like he fine-tunes you and you become so close to him and, and, and you experience his supernatural joy to such an extent that actually you realise that there's a blessing in the trial. Has anybody put your hand up if you've ever experienced a blessing in the trial? Where tough times actually ended up when you felt richer. I'll tell you, I've experienced that so much in my life and I'm so glad to see so many hands up to say that because that's the truth. But you know, people who don't know Jesus, who have never trusted him as saviour, they don't understand that. That is, not, that is not normal to them. But then we're not normal people. Isn't that right? In fact, we're a wee bit strange, the Bible says. And so, you see, we understand it because we have experienced it. And so we need to realise that God can turn our mourning into dancing. It goes on to say in Psalm 30, verses 11 to 12, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And so he can turn our mourning into dancing. I remember years and years ago, way back in the 90s, where it seemed that my life was falling apart. I had gone across, the, many, some of you who have been coming here for a long time will have heard me saying this before, but you know, when you've been out and you've gone out with your husband and your child out to the mission field and you've gone out believing that God was going to use you and 
you know, full of all the promises of God and you come back with your tail between your legs and your marriage is on the rocks and you're no longer out in the mission field, I tell you, it's a queer thump up the face whenever you've trusted Jesus from you've been an eight-year-old child and you've always dreamed of serving him. It's a thump up the face. It's a knock in your gut. And, you know, during that time, I remember being so broken. But you know what? I can also remember dancing. Dancing and jumping with joy. Because the joy that I experienced through that time, I could not I could not explain to you. But I know that some of you have gone through tough times. You know what I'm talking about. I can remember jumping up. Like, at that time, I could jump. I'm not so good at it now. I tell you, I could jump and dance. And I tell you, I, I remember before the Lord just praising the Lord and thanking him. And you know, as I look back on those times, I would not, I would not change that. I would not change it. And those of you who have come through it, you would not change it either because you have experienced getting to know God in tough times. And believe you me, there is a blessing in that. And you know what? God loves to see his children trusting him so much that even in the midst of the worst of situations, they can throw up a big laugh. And they can laugh in the face of adversity. And isn't that what the woman in... Um, in Proverbs 31 says, she says, strength and honour are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. No fear of the future because she trusts in her God. And that's what God is calling us to do, to know that he's a God who wants to bless us, to know that he's a God who can turn our mourning into dancing. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, if, we're, if we've been nasty or if we've been doing stuff that doesn't please God, you know, that, that if people cast us aside that we're going to get blessed for it. Not at all, because, you know, that's a different thing. But if we are treated badly... Because we are holding up the name of Jesus, do you know what? We can expect tremendous blessing. Tremendous blessing. I tell you, God, for anybody who stands up for the name of Christ, and for those today who are suffering across this world, you know, we don't really know anything here in this country about what it means to suffer for the name of Christ. But there are people today in all kinds of corners of the earth where they are being persecuted for their faith, even some of them being killed for their faith. And you know what? There's a tremendous reward for people who, who do that. And, and this Jesus is teaching here that you are blessed. If people are hating you or excluding you or even treating you badly because of, the, of, of Jesus and because of your love of Jesus, here's what Jesus says to you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did the same to the prophets. And so if you're feeling that somebody's, you know, not, me not treating you well because you're a Christian or maybe in work you haven't been promoted or whatever, do you know what? Just rejoice. Just Get yourself the reward. You know, when we moan and we groan, we're actually, and we complain and we give off and all the rest of it, we're actually, uh, we're, we're, not, we're not giving God the opportunity to give us the reward. We're going to lose the reward. We need to just keep praising and trusting him. And we need to know that uh, in this world that there will be suffering. And, you know, it may be, it may be that some of us will live long enough 
to actually see more persecution come again. Because as this world becomes more and more um, worldly and ungodly and listening to the voice of the enemy, the god of this world, and the way that things are shaping up and the political, politically correct speech that we must have and so many things that, that now that are God's truth that no longer are accepted by the world, it could well be, I'm not trying to pronounce woe or anything, but it could well be that, 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 that we will have to take a greater stand in standing for God. And that doesn't always mean being rude, but it means it means lifting Jesus and living living like him. And you know, Jesus was never he was never rude, but he shone and he spoke truth in love. And I believe that as the times get harder, it's about us showing forth his love and walking in his light and showing the world what it's like to be a Christian, and we're going to see that's what uh, this is about today. Uh, we quote from the Spirit-filled Bible that says, Jesus does not commend poverty or hunger or sorrow and reproach in themselves. These sufferings bring blessings only when they're endured through discipleship for the Son of Man's sake. Being a disciple at this time of history or back in Bible times can still be costly, and the Old Testament saints would have known that. And if you look at those woes in, um, in your Bible, you'll see we're not going to go right through them, but really they're saying if you're rich or you're, you know, if you have everything you need and if you're not hungry and you know, you're laughing away and you know, you're in the world and you're not interested in spiritual riches or spiritual truth or anything else, do you know what? You're, there's a woe coming to you. There's trouble coming to you. That's what it says. That's what it says in the message. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what others... Uh, saying what flatters them, uh, doing what indulges them. Popularity consists, uh, I can hardly read, I can hardly read this because the, the light's poor and it's a small print. Popularity contests, popularity contests, I read it right yet. Popularity contests are not truth contests. In other words, if you're just speaking to be popular, you probably aren't speaking the truth. Your task is to be true, not popular. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the world. This is what it means to live a counter-cultural uh, counter lifestyle, to live the way God wants us to live. And I want to finish the rest of our time just looking at what it means to live the way God wants us to live and the blessings that there are available to us. And I want to read some of it in the in the message because I love the way the message puts it. So let's look from verse 27 of Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And so we need to uh, have a, a different approach, the complete opposite to the world. We need to, we need to do things God's way. It says, love your enemies in the message. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When somebody comes up and they're nasty or they say something that offends you, you know, they can bring the worst out in you. Would you agree with me? How often you, the, our old flesh nature just rises up and we can just come out with something that brings the worst out of us. The message puts it this way. Don't let them bring the worst out of you. Let them bring the best out of you. 
Let them be the, the Christ response. Not our old flesh nature, but the response of Christ. What would Christ say? What would Jesus say? When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. I think that's pretty good advice, isn't it? When somebody's giving you a hard time and you feel like going, giving them a bit of a punch or going and giving off about them, instead of that, if you can go somewhere and you can start to pray for them, I'll tell you, you'll feel better because you've prayed for that person and you have reacted in the unnatural, abnormal way, which is God's way, and you will know the joy rising up because you're doing it God's way and not your old flesh's way. And you know what? As long as we're in this flesh, we will be tempted to be given off and grumbling. And are you with me? I, I know by the look of all of you that you, none of you do that. You're all sweet and beautiful. But you know what? I know my flesh and I know your flesh too. You can't fool me. We have all got it in us to just be grumbling about and giving off. Instead of going and praying for that person, that's a challenge to us. This is a challenging lifestyle. If somebody slaps you in the face, what do you do? Hit them back? You stand there and you take it. If somebody grabs your shirt, then you gift wrap your best coat and you make a present of it. Isn't that pretty good? <laughs> if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Now I know, and I always say this, if somebody is abusing you or has abused you, I don't believe, the Lord's not teaching here that you go right into, back into an abusive situation. That's not what he's saying. I believe in that situation he'd want you to release yourself and get out of it and to pray for that person and to put your boundaries out, godly boundaries. That's, that's, that would be his word to you. But if you're in an ordinary situation where somebody's just grating on you a bit, do you know what? If you start to work on these principles and start to release them and pray for them and give back, we often talk about the, the, the different response. We talk about responding in the opposite spirit. Did you ever hear that phrase? Responding in the opposite spirit. Do you know what? That's the best way to break down a problem is to respond in the opposite spirit. Because when somebody's given you a hard time and you respond back in the same way, do you know all that happens? The fight gets bigger. They give back more to you and you give back more to them. You see, when you respond in the opposite spirit and you, you speak blessings, they say something nasty and you just say something kind. You just break it. They bless, they, they're, they're cursing you and you just bless them. Do you know what happens? You break what's happening. And it actually, it actually breaks through what Satan's trying to do. And it disarms the enemy. It disarms Satan. And before you realise it, the person's thinking, there's nothing to fight here. And before you know it, God has solved. And do you know what? I have seen me becoming friends with people just by responding in the opposite spirit. Whenever it looked like there was no chance that we'd be friends. And I believe God calls us to, to, to do what he what He would be complete opposite to us in our flesh. You know what? We need to nail our flesh to the cross. Isn't that right? And I love that scripture that the Apostle Paul said, for he said, for I am, he said, I am, uh, I am alive, but he said, nevertheless, I'm not quoting it right, what is it? For I am, for I am dead with Christ, ne nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
when we realise that we are crucified with him, we realise that our flesh, and we allow our flesh to be nailed to the cross, then the spirit nature can begin to operate and we can begin to um, be a blessing and obedient to what God calls us to do. It goes on to say, here is a simple rule of thumb for behaviour. Ask yourself, what would you want people to do to you? This is known in the Bible as the golden rule. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. But you know, I love this. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you and then grab the initiative and do it for them. Did you ever try that? I'm going to say something very personal here. and I'm going to give a wee bit of praise to somebody. But you know, it's so easy for us to be thinking about number one. Isn't that right? It's so easy to be thinking, oh, I need to be top front, front of the queue. Everybody else can get back, but I should be in there. It's so easy for us to think, um, you know, I deserve the best. And it doesn't matter about them, so long as I get the best. It's so The big I is so important. But you know, God wants us to be generous. He wants us to be, we're going to read, as we read on here, he actually asks us to be like him. To be like him. He asks us to show what he is like to the world. He asks us to, to reflect the family likeness, to reflect the, the, our heavenly father to the world. And he wants you and me in our ordinary behaviour to show what he's like, to show, to show how generous and how kind he is. And you know, one of the people, that I would say out of anybody that I know, do you know who's the kindest person? She's sitting down at the back there. Do you see her behind there that's doing, Jane that's behind doing that recording? Do you know what? If she heard the least wee whimper that I wanted something, before I would, I have to be careful what I say sometimes, because before I would know it, it would be right in front of me. She is so kind. And Jane, I'm not just saying that to blow you up. You know that's the truth. Because you're always looking to see what would, what would please people. I've never seen anyone who does this so beautifully as Jane. And I'll tell you, lots of you in here, I would say, would know that because if you happen to mention that you'd like something before you know it, she'll have it to you because she listens to what people want and what people need. And she's always there. And you know what? I believe that pleases God so much about you, Jane. And I, I would love to be more like that. And I would love that all of us in this room would learn what it is to honour and glorify our Heavenly Father by, by this golden rule of seeing what people's need is and showing the love of God and the generosity of God by, by being givers, those who would prefer to give than to receive. And God wants us to experience the blessings of giving because it's, there's more blessing in giving than there is in receiving. And so often we want this and we want that and we want that and we're missing out on the true blessings that God wants to give us. And so God wants us to be more and more like him. How's our time going? I won't keep you too late today, ladies. It goes on to say here, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us. In other words, in the way that God treats us, let us start to treat those around us. Let's live out what it means to be his daughter, to be part of God's family. Now listen to this. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticise their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness 
can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Giving back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way that generosity begets generosity. I believe this morning that God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be more and more like him. And you know, as we speak here this morning, it's possible that there's somebody in here and you have never, ever actually received Jesus to be your saviour. I know that's a possibility. And if there's one person this morning who has never received Jesus and the generous offering of salvation that he has given to us, I would love this morning, this would be your morning, that you would open up your heart and you would recognise that you are poor in spirit, that you are poor before God, that you are poor spiritually, and that you would know that Jesus died to make you rich. That you would know that he died not just only to forgive your sins, although that's massive, that's fantastic, that's everything in one sense. He, he died to, to pay the price for your sins, that you could be completely set free from the burden of sin, completely forgiven, that you would receive the Holy Spirit, that you'd be able to have the power to live through life and to live it in such a way that you'd be able to glorify and show the world how good and how beautiful God is. That you would glorify God on the earth. And you know what, ladies, if you're all here today, I know that God has a plan for every one of your lives. I know that many of you are already sold out to God. I know that many of you have plans that God has given you and put in your hearts. I know that many of you have vision. I'm looking at you, Maggie. I know that many of you have vision. And God has put that vision into your heart. Do you know what? When God puts vision into a person's heart, God has all the resources to meet the need of that vision. And I believe that those of us who think, I can't do this or I can't do that, that God would say to you this morning, would you stop using that word can't? Because with God, all things are possible. I believe God wants you to know in a fresh and a new and a beautiful way this morning that he wants to bless you and he wants to pour out your blessings. And he, he's saying to you this morning, you think you're poor, that's right. You're just ready for my blessings. When you realise that you're poor in spirit and that you can do nothing to save yourself and you can do nothing to even, do, to even work for God, when you realise that in your own riches you have nothing, but in his riches you have everything you need. Every resource you will ever need is available. It's available from God's hand. I believe God wants you to know that he's, he's for you and he's not against you. You know, when I had William, when William was born, um, I remember when I was pregnant, I'm going to finish with this, but I remember whenever I was pregnant, I remember praying to God and asking him not to give me a Down syndrome child. I'm just confessing that because I was 41 and I was thinking I'm around that age where lots of women have Down syndrome. And I remember praying that prayer and I remember, you know, putting my hand in my tummy and I'm thinking, Lord, just don't let him be Down syndrome. Just take care of that, Lord. And you know, when he was born, it was the greatest shock to my system. I couldn't believe that I had been given a Down syndrome child. I remember just thinking, God, 
know, how come? And when they walked, the doctor walked into the room with William in his arms, and I had my first glimpse of William because I had a, a section. I remember when I put him in my arms, I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me, this is the child that you prayed for. This is the one. I had prayed Hannah's prayer the whole way through my pregnancy. For this child I prayed, and it wasn't going to be Down syndrome. And you know what, in that moment I heard God saying, this is the child that you prayed for. This is the one that I've chosen to give to you. Do you know what? God knows how to give the best blessings. You might think one way, but he thinks another. I'll tell you, that child has caused me so much joy and blessing. I could not begin to tell you the blessings that I receive from him every day. And not only that, as if that wasn't enough, what does he do? But he sends along Jane, brought her into our lives at a key time in my life. Worked it out in ways that we would never imagine. I wish I had another half hour to tell you the story of how we met and how God brought that together. You see, God provides for what he plans for. Do you think I could be doing this or I could be running around doing the things I'm doing if I didn't have Jane? I'll tell you something, that if you trust God for what he has for you, he will supply your need from every angle. He will bring in help from places you never had imagined. I didn't even know Jane. Jane... Jane and I were like poles apart. When I first saw Jane, she was walking, she was wearing a big long black man's coat down to the ground as she got out of a second-hand shop. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just telling you it was a bit different to me. When I, she had, her hair was shaved up the back of her neck and she had earrings right down, right down her ear, right down. And we would never have looked as if we would have been two people who would have come together. But you know what? God did a miracle. How did he do a miracle? I'm now telling you a story, but I'm not going to go into it in detail. How did he work in a miracle? Because I was, well, I haven't time to tell you the story. I'll tell you some other time. But I'll tell you it's a good story. Isn't it, Jane? It's a good story. And you know what? If you trust God with the difficulties of your life and the things that are going on, if you believe that he is speaking to you and he's calling you and he's prompting you, it might be to go and speak to a neighbour. It might be to go and do something. It might be something big. It might be something simple. But whatever it is, if you trust him and you step out in obedience, I can promise you he will give you everything you need and he will pour blessing out on you because that's the kind of God that he is. And he would say to you this morning, blessed are you, eager woman. If you love me and trust me and put your wings out and start to fly, I'll take you wherever I want to take you. And you won't have to worry about it one bit. Isn't that good news this morning? That God knows everything about us. Do you know he knows everything about you right down to how many hairs you have in your head? And he knows how many of them are your natural colour and how many are. <laughs> you need to know that he loves you with an everlasting love and you need to know that he's got plans for you right up till he takes you home and you know what he doesn't want you to be afraid and he doesn't want you to have this fear in your heart about the future he wants you to trust him for every trial why because he and he alone knows how to take you round the trial no through the trial and he knows how to make you richer because you've gone through the trial, he knows how to turn it around to make you richer. I wouldn't change, and there's a lot of stuff in my life that's very negative. Do you know what? I wouldn't change it, because I don't believe that I've got to know God. 
He wants us to get to know him, girls. And going through tough times is the best way to get to know him. It's brilliant when you come out the other end because you feel the richness. Going through doesn't always feel that good. But you know what? Even in the going through, the joy and the laughter can be there. That's what I've proven. Have you proven that as well? God said, you know, just trust me. Trust me. Step out in obedience and trust me. Lord, I thank you that you and you alone are the one who can satisfy us. That you're the one who can fill that yearning in our hearts. That, God, we come to you in our spiritual poverty. But I thank you that we, when we come to you, we become spiritually rich. And I thank you, God, that everything we need is in Christ Jesus. And I just pray a special blessing over every woman here this morning. And I pray, oh God, that we might all leave here feeling that we have really heard from you. And oh God, that you will just uh, touch us and, and minister to us, Father, that we will glorify your name on the earth. That we will show this world just how good and how beautiful you are in Jesus' name. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, the Holy One. That's the one we've been speaking about this morning. The one who is a, who, who is the Messiah, who has come to this earth and who is working out his plan for this world and for all that he has for the future. For each. Thank you, O our Father. We just thank the Lord so much for being with us. Pray that you'll all be safe as you go home. Susan's going to bring us just a wee word before we finish. And after she brings this word, uh, we will be available here for anyone who wants to come to the front for a wee bit of prayer. You know we're always available here and we will pray with you. Um, but I just pray that you will be safe, get safely home, be very careful on that car park as you don't slip. And uh, may you get home in safety and have a... I believe... God has sent to you. My daughters, my precious, precious daughters, you are my children. I am your father, but my daughters, I am also your mother. Some of you are craving a mother. Some of you are craving the love of a mother. Climb onto my knees, my daughter. Climb onto my knees. I want to lavish my love on you, my daughters. I love you with an everlasting love. You are the apple of my eye. Do you believe me, my daughters? I am the God of the breast. I am your mother. Some of you have never known a mother figure. Come to me, my daughters. I want to fill you with my love, the love you have never known. My love, my love is so precious. It is more valuable than anything to you. I can love you more than a mother, a father, a husband, a brother, a sister can ever love you. Climb onto my knees. I am calling for you. Come to me now, my children. My heart is longing for you. My heart is breaking for you. My heart breaks for you when you weep. My heart breaks especially when you weep and you don't come to me. Look to me, my children. Come to me. I am longing for you. Thank you, Susan. I just believe that's a word from the Lord. The El Shaddai, the God of the breast. 
and I believe that that God does want to embrace. I love Psalm 91. You know, it's really speaking underneath the Almighty with the wings of the Almighty. It's really referring to the El Shaddai, the God of the breast. I just love that. Um, I love that season. I love that that um, God can be both Father and Mother. And I do believe he wants us to rest our heads. That's, I think it's beautiful that John, remember John the um, disciple, he rested his head on the breast of Jesus. He was the El Shaddai. No wonder Jesus said how often, he said, if you'd come to me, how often would I have gathered you as a hen does gather her brood under her wings. That's the El Shaddai. God wants us to find that place of safety. Read Psalm 91 when you go home. And uh, that's where I go so often. I just get underneath those wings and find that, that place of, of, of protection and place of joy and comfort. Um, there's a verse that's been in my mind as well, um, not to take away from what Susan said, but a verse that's been in my mind all week and it's been from Psalm 94 where, where it says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. I believe God wants us to know more and more of his comforts in the middle of all the anxieties we can have comforts and they come from him i believe they come from that place on his breast so bless you safe home and again we're here at the front of you if you want prayer bless you and thank you for so much for coming out again thank you